of laying it out, I want to kind of take a look at Scripture, starting with Genesis, sort of to the end. God's heart is that. God's heart is to always come alongside his people in, the, in, in, in his creation and uh, always come alongside and say, I'm, I'm with you, I'm here. And so uh, here's the interesting part, because I got to admit this to you. I never wanted to be a pastor. Like I never set out to be like, oh, that, being a pastor, that's cool. Like I want to be a pastor. I, those guys look really cool. <laughs> you know, like I never wanted to be that. Even though I grew up in ministry, that actually probably turned me off to it more. Um, so my idea of ministry or the way that like we kind of go about ministry is obviously very biblically sound, like doctrine and all that stuff is the most important. Um, but in it, the way that I approach it is just how God gives it to me. And so even when I write a sermon, like I'll have a thought, God will drop something in my heart and I'll start writing it down. And there'll be times that I don't even touch what I started for a couple years. God will just give me this thought and I'll like write it out and then put it away. And then he'll bring me back to it. And, and I see sermons and I see like God scenarios in all kinds of things. <laughs> and so sometimes they come off really weird. A couple weeks ago, you guys heard me talk about um, huckabuck, which is basically falling off a dirt bike. It's a term for falling off a dirt bike. <laughs> And uh, Doug, our tech guy, good night, everybody. Um, our tech guy who just turned off the lights. Um, did we crash a computer? Oh, wow, that's a fail. <laughs> let's, um, let's all stretch our hands towards Doug. If you want to join me later, we'll, we'll stretch fifth towards him. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, so anyway, just don't go to sleep on me because I can't see you. So like... So back to what I was saying is, um, so I see sermons or I see scripture or I see real life scenarios <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> so, okay, that's good, that's good enough. Um, maybe what I'm about to talk about is blasphemy and I really need to stop <laughs> because you're going to laugh when I tell you what I'm about to preach about. This sermon literally is like a pro wrestling analogy I'm about to share with you. Like my sermon came through like me growing up watching pro wrestling. So maybe this is God like saying, hey, you're about to walk in, anyway, shallow water or something. So, so what I was saying is this. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to like sit down and go up on the hill and get a sermon from the Lord. Like whatever God speaks and reveals to me and, and we pray about it and we, of course, talk to a lot of counsel about it. We put these series together. But I want you to know it's just like my life. It's like how I see things. It's how we hear things. And so it's going to be kind of strange that I'm literally going to use like professional WWF, like wrestling analogies to give you this sermon. But this is just the only way that I saw it. This is just how God showed it to me. And so it's going to be kind of fun and we'll have a good time with it. And I'll, I'll get a volunteer up here to help me. We'll do some wrestling moves or something. But um, I grew up watching pro wrestling. And so the fake stuff, like I just need to put it out there, like I, I understand that it's fake. You don't have to fill me in on that later. I get it. It's a male soap opera. I totally understand. Um, but when I was, you know, I have a brother who's two years younger than me, and, and we used to watch it all the time and get into all that kind of stuff. And you'll see why I'm talking about it in a minute. But um, the analogies that I'll pull are literally going to come from wrestling. So you'll just have to laugh at me and be like, he sees the world funny, and that's just truth. Somebody say amen. So here's the idea that I want to lay out. Uh, and I'll and kind of get serious here in a minute. But the truth is, we, no matter what we choose to believe about it, we do have an enemy who hates your guts. We have an enemy who wants nothing more than to see your life destroyed. We have an enemy who wants to see you 
uh, an alcoholic. We have an enemy who wants to see you burn out on drugs. We, want to, we have an enemy who wants to see you ruin your family, ruin your life, ruin your career. And we have an enemy who sets out to do that on a daily basis. Somebody say amen. And, and, and a lot of doctrines gotten really soft and we just say, well, I don't know about this and that or whatever. But listen, what you choose to believe doesn't change reality. And so I can go up on top of this building and say, well, I don't believe in gravity anymore and jump off. There's still gravity. And I believe that about scripture is that there is truth that doesn't change. And so if in Genesis, if we believe any part of the Bible, you can't just say, well, we don't so much believe in Genesis. We don't, we, and you can't just take parts. Uh, so Genesis all the way through, it's all there. So if in the beginning in Genesis, it talks about us having a devil or having an enemy or having an adversary who's come to harm us or ruin our lives or get us off course, then it's still true today. Somebody say amen. So the Bible starts um, in Genesis 3, 1, uh, just a little bit into the story. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden? So in the very beginning, you're already seeing you're the enemy. You're already seeing there's something that is out to oppose you from God. And then Ephesians 6.12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against all these dark, wicked spiritual forces. And so we got it all up here. It's against the rulers, the authorities, all these spiritual forces in heavenly realms are still in place. You say, well, I can't see it. I don't know if I believe in that. Listen, I could go get the news for you and I could say this happened to a child and this happened to a pregnant woman and this happened to an elderly woman. And you would say, how does that stuff happen? And we would all nod our heads and agree. It had to be some kind of sick spiritual force behind it. Somebody say amen. So we really don't even have to debate that. 1 Timothy 4.1 says, The Spirit clearly said in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So you're like, oh my gosh, we're talking about demons. Are we going to get the snakes out now? <laughs> like, no. Uh, but it's truth. They're, same thing. Like, in this world, we see things that it's like, man, how could they have gone there with that? Like, how can they believe that? Well, it's because that same enemy we talked about in Genesis in the beginning is still out to ruin doctrines and what we believe and our relationship to, with God. Uh, those things are still in play today. Somebody say amen. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so the thief is still out there to ruin your life, to destroy you. He hates you. He hates your kids. He hates your job. He hates everything that may be full of life that God has given to you. And on a daily basis, he's finding ways that he can destroy you. First Peter 5.8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a soaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we've set up the fact that, yes, there's a enemy out there that hates you, that's trying to destroy you, that's trying to tear you apart. That is truth. And it goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. It goes all the way back to Genesis. But the good news in this is that God's plan all along from the beginning was to be what? Was to be with you. So yes, we have an enemy. Yes, we have a thing. But you also have a God who his design is not to sit up in heaven on some throne and be disconnected from you. His plan all along was to come alongside you and help you and be there for you. Somebody say that's good. So I'm going to have Travis come up here. Uh, Travis is going to help me today. 
um, I want to explain to you, I'm gonna, we're all getting a lesson in professional wrestling. I know that's what you came here for, right? Okay. Yeah, good. So some guys are actually like, this is awesome, right? Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Anyway, so I'll leave it alone. So Travis, Travis is going to be my tag team partner. For those of you who don't know this, in professional wrestling, they have these fake matches. And uh, a lot of times, one of the scenarios in the fake wrestling is a tag team match. And uh, I'm explaining it to you like you don't know, but I know you've all watched Nacho Libre, right? Somebody saying that. Like, I know you have. You're laughing because you don't want to admit it, but you did. Um, so I have stretchy pants here, Travis, that I'm going to... I'm just kidding. Like, two people... Okay. Oh, my gosh. Such a holy church. Sorry. Okay. So Travis is going to be my tag team partner. And the way that it works in wrestling is this, two against another team. And so one person gets to wrestle in the ring and one person is on the other side of the ropes. And the way that it works, if Travis needs help, all he's got to do is tag me. We just have to make contact with each other. And then I can then jump over the rope. He can come out and I can enter the fight. I can get in on his behalf. We can, we can go after it. Uh, is, is the wrestling scenario is not working for you. This is his wife, Cisha. She's having a hard time seeing this. Okay. Oh, you don't think I would jump over the rope? Oh, my gosh. Cisha, let's all stretch our hands and rebuke her. So at CrossFit, just so you all know, are you okay with me just being real and having some fun? Okay. Here's how I view this room. Very holy. It is the house of God. Are you laughing too? Oh, my gosh. So, so here's the deal. So I view this as very holy. This is the house of the Lord, but, and I shouldn't even say but there, uh, but I also believe that we're a family. So when I actually get up here, I view this as a living room. Like, hey, we're all coming. Because that's actually how the book of Acts, like that's how they describe the church in the New Testament, that they all came together and we're in one. So a lot of times in tradition, we can make it like about the pastor giving a sermon and that's important, Okay. Uh, but it's also about us like being in unity and loving each other towards God, like the back of our shirts say, amen. <laughs> so what they were doing is trying to love me. <laughs> what she was explaining was in our CrossFit workout, which I retired from, um, <laughs> I haven't done it in two weeks. You can tell the difference, right? I'm super deflated now. I was huge and now, but anyway. So in there, they have these boxes that I think are like this tall. Are they this tall? They're as tall as Travis. And Eli, the coach, CrossFit is a workout thing that you do. He's the coach, and he's, he's also an idiot. And um, when you go there, he says, hey, what you're going to do today, it's called the workout of the day or the wad. He says, this box is this tall, and he keeps adding to it every time you go in there. And when we got there, first it started at this height, and now it's, I'm exaggerating. But you're supposed to jump on and off it. It's like one of the workouts. I don't jump on and off it. Um, I step on and off it, which is like the scaled version, they say it, which is really just like the version for the fat, scared person who doesn't want to <laughs> jump on it. So that's me. So I just said, I'm going to jump over the rope. And these guys who do CrossFit said like, yeah, right, he'll jump. He'll like scale and jump over, like step over it, <laughs> whatever. So they're all going to hell. <laughs> Stretch your hands towards them. So Travis, let's get back to the spiritual. Who's with me? Okay. So let's put on like our spiritual thought and try to capture where I'm going in this. So Travis in need of help. So his enemy, his adversary, adversary has him in a position in this match where, where maybe he's losing, maybe he's defeated, maybe they landed a good move. Because our enemy every once in a while gets in a good move on us. Somebody say amen. 
So he's on the mat, he's hurt, he's rough. He can turn around and look and he can make that tag and I'll come in under the rope and help him, okay? And so he gets to get out and he gets to catch his breath and, and I get to fight on his behalf and I get to help him. And that's, in a way, the story of how God has been in relationship with us through all of eternity, through all of mankind. And I'm gonna show it to you here. So in Genesis chapter three, verse eight, It said, when the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, speaking of Adam and Eve, heard the Lord God walking about the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Here's what's interesting about this scripture. They heard and recognized that it was God. Why? Because God had walked with them in the garden before. Why? Because God wanted to be alongside Adam and Eve and his people and his creation. His idea of walking with us isn't some guy up on a hill, up on a like throne up in heaven, disconnected from us, just watching us all be minions. No, his idea was to be alongside us and working with us. And so you can see here in Genesis, in the beginning, that was his thing. And then of course we know Adam and Eve sinned and there was separation. So then there was separation as almost as if he lost his tag team partner or he lost that ability to be able to walk with God. And we know that God still uh, moves throughout the Old Testament and had relationship, but it was different. And so then, of course, we all know this in John three sixteen, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, but whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What did God do here? What did heaven do here? They found another way. They found a way to do what? To tag in Jesus. God said, hey, if I send my son, then his blood will be shed, his perfect blood will be shed, and it'll be a way for us to get him his tag partner back. It'll be a way for him to get somebody back in his corner when the enemy's coming after him, when somebody's trying to get him, uh, he'll have that tag back. Uh, Notice how he came and said this, the way that he came into earth, uh, one of the names about Jesus as we are at Christmas in the manger was what? Wonderful counselor. Somebody who can literally come alongside us and, and counsel and be there and interact and, and bail out and, and, and be alongside us. Um, that's his design from the beginning was to be wonderful counselor. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, empathize with our weaknesses or understand. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand our weaknesses. For we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus came to earth, took on flesh and blood, and dealt with everything that we deal with. Understands what it's like. All the stuff we struggle with, all of the match that we have to wrestle with every day. The scripture talks about how Jesus came, and he dealt with all that, and wrestled with all that, and has the experience in everything that we have to deal with, and yet was without sin. And so he's a person alongside us who comes in and really knows what it's like. He's a true fighter. Um, There's this thing in pro wrestling, because you're getting your pro wrestling lesson. Um, It's called a ring manager. And so Travis here, he's a big deal. Let's say he's the champ. Again, I know this is all fake, but he's the champ. And so I'm going to be his manager. (laughs) Well, well, okay. (laughs) So... So he's the champ, he's the man, and so now he has a ring manager, somebody who walks him down because they got the big stage and the lights and the pyro. And so this guy, the ring manager, he's not a wrestler. He's just a guy who wants to ride the coattails of the champ champ here. It's like, I'm going to walk in with you, and then all that guy really does is stand around the ring. He's more of like a cheerleader, if you will, just kind of somebody who kind of goes through it. And so what's interesting about God is notice the scripture Jesus didn't come and become like our, our ring manager and come and like just kind of coach us and tell us what to do. 
he got in. The scripture says here that he got in and would always fought what we had to fight and always went through what we had to go through. He didn't come in and just kind of stand outside it all and kind of say this and say that. What's interesting about the managers is there's a time in pro wrestling where uh, if the guy's getting really beat up and it looks like he's going to lose, the manager will like grab his leg and pull him out of the ring and he'll take him and they'll like start to walk back up the aisle. They'll basically quit. And so it's really dramatic, like, oh, we're not going to finish this match. We're going to go back because he doesn't want to lose his title. And so the manager will take him and they'll go quit together. And uh, what I love about Jesus is he never quit on us. He never had, the scripture says that when he was before Pontius Pilate, he could have called down a legion of angels and said, hey, get me out of here. But he stood and he finished the fight. Why? Because he really wants to be fighting alongside you. Somebody say amen. I love it. The managers, you know, they, they don't really get in and wrestle. They just, they kind of just go through the motions. God's looking for some people that aren't going to go through the motions. God's looking for some people that are going to get in the ring and really wrestle, uh, talkers walk and you meet somebody and they're all talk and they got all this to say and they got all these big deals, all these attributes. It'll just take a little bit of time and you'll see those people walk. That's a manager. That's like, oh, I got all this to say. They come down the ring and my champion and I got all this to say. And then they're like quick up the ring to leave. But God is looking for some people whose walk does the talking. Somebody say amen. The way that they really wrestle, the way that they really get in there and trust God and finish. That's what God's looking for. Amen. I love this. Um, another thing in wrestling is the ring announcer. It's a big deal. Uh, they get the ring announcers on the side and, and it hits them, I don't even know, with a chair or whatever they do. And the announcer is, oh my gosh, he's, gonna, he's on fire or whatever. I don't know. And uh, apparently none of you have watched wrestling. So it's just, can you YouTube some wrestling for us or something else? So the ring announcer is actually what makes it. Like if you went down there and you watched them wrestle and they like, and the ring announcer wasn't making it a big deal, you'd be like, oh my gosh, this is really fake. This is ridiculous. But the ring announcer is broadcasting it and making it this big deal and saying all this kind of stuff. And God also isn't looking for ring announcer Christians. People who are just living in their community, just broadcasting when everybody else is doing. Well, you know, I heard that church down the road. They're doing this thing, and I'm going to announce, oh, my gosh, that church is on fire. Like, did you? And they're just over there ring announcing the whole thing. God's not into ring announcers. God's looking for some people that are going to get in the fight and that are going to finish and that are going to stick. We have too many people essentially running scorecards in the kingdom of God. Amen? One thing that I love about wrestling uh, happens every once in a while is there'll be a thing called a handicap match. And so there'll be one person on this side of the ring. And then on this side, they say, you are going to face three people. And so those three people will get to jump, you know, over the road. They still tag in or whatever, but they have to go against the one guy. What I love about us and our story with the enemy is that Jesus already defeated him. When he died on the cross and went to hell, he took the keys and we became victorious. And what's great for us now is it's a handicap match. He's already defeated. We have the Trinity, God, the Father, Jesus Christ, and then the Holy Spirit. It's three on one. You don't have to accept the doctrine of defeat. Somebody say amen. You can be seated, Travis. Give it up for Travis Libre. So in our lives, we're, we're set up to win. We're set up. We have the victory already. I'll read you this scripture, John 16, 7. It says, but very truly I tell you, 
It is for a good thing that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. So this was Jesus before he went up to heaven saying, hey, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. What did he do? He made another tag. He said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you more help. I'm going to be alongside you. I'm going to go up to heaven. It's better that I go, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you somebody that can help you. Hebrews 12 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. What does this scripture say? This scripture says that up in heaven, all of the greats, so you can go through all the Bible greats. You can say up in heaven right now, you have the Moses, you have all the greats, you have all your grandfathers and all those people who lived in the faith and are up there. They're up there cheering for you right now. Up in heaven right now, you almost have a circle of people that are also a tag in that are also cheering for you, that are also believing the best in you. And so it's saying, throw off all that stuff that entangles you and run with perseverance. Why? Because you're set up to win. Somebody say amen. Heaven is cheering you on. How much more should we be cheering each other on? I mean, literally, like if in heaven, people are cheering us on how we live this life, how much more as Christians should we be encouraging and loving each other? Amen. John 16, 33. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, I already mentioned this, but wrestling is scripted. <laughs> like you know the end, it's fake. So when they go out there and do the wrestling, they already know the end. And for us, we already know that God has overcome. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In the world there will be trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When you're in the match, when you're in the tag match with God, when, he, when he's first in your life, when you're connected to him, when you're sold out to him, uh, he's on your side. You can know and take heart and be at peace that though there may be trouble in this world, he's overcome it and he can make a way for you to overcome it. Amen? Here's the key. John 15, 4. It says, remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The key to the whole thing for us is to stay connected to God. DJ, I'll have you come play. We're going to close with this. The whole key to this victorious life or living free from uh, the distractions or the trouble or the things that are trying to hold us down or giving the enemy that foothold, the whole key to it is remaining in God. Our thoughts have to be in God. Our, our um how we interact with each other has to be godly and in God and, and, and how we follow through and all those kind of things need to be trusting God because then we'll bear good fruit.